Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel, as always. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Jeff Taylor, former Vanderbilt Commodore, shooting guard. He's tatted now. I went, I went to <laughs> – he is, man. I, I went to Google him because I was like, who was that guy that got drafted by the Charlotte – bobcats at that point i believe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but this was like back when vanderbilt was actually pretty solid jeff taylor he subscribes so you should as well check out the website at the barnburner.com that's the dash barnburner.com and make sure to follow us on twitter at cbb theater you should also follow me at subi 232 to find out where the feet is and taylor at taylor damel we're sponsored by blue note artfully crafted small batch bourbon Distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. So I got this visual of you right now. Now I know I know nobody listening to this can hear it, but or see it. Excuse me. What a muzzy! What no, a I think, big league muzzy! I think they can hear this mustache that I have going right now. Honestly. It is. They don't even need to see it. They don't even need to see it. What a you know I haven't seen my chin in probably like five years. So uh, that was new to reintroduce myself to my chin uh, last night and uh, kept some of the burns a little bit just for uh, just for dramatic effect. Can't really tell who I look like. Uh, maybe a little Ned Flanders, perhaps, because uh, the stash kind of points out a little bit, you know, if that makes sense. But, um, yeah, real look here. Got my Aaron Rodgers look going because we're headed out to uh, Kansas City tomorrow to uh, go to the Packers-Chiefs game this weekend. And then also going to my cousin's uh, family weekend. She's a sophomore at Kansas State, so we're going to go to K-State, Oklahoma on Saturday, and I am 100% sure that I'm going to be that creepy older cousin crushing CL Smooths at 8 in the morning that all of her sorority sisters are like, who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) But hey, we've all got roles to play this weekend. That's my role, I guess. So you're the mustache king here, though. This took me way longer than you. You could, I mean, your facial hair is notably thicker from a day and a half ago, really. So, yeah, I mean, 
at the end of the day, it really, once I shave a mustache, right? So I've done it for bachelor parties, done it for when I've gone down to New Orleans. But by the end of those weekends, which is typically a three or four day weekend, I mean, I'm already getting the stubble back anyway. So I just shave the mustache right into the beard and I'm pretty much back to normal. But I, I got to tell you, man, that is an incredible mustache right there. And you're not going to be out of place at a Kansas State, Oklahoma game. I cannot, <laughs> cannot imagine you're going to be out of place. Or just in the state of – not even just in the state of Kansas, just in the plains in yeah. general. Yeah, in that region of the country, you are going to fit in just fine. Like you're going to get, you're going to, get to the terminal in Phoenix. You're going to sit at the gate, and you're going to look around and be like, oh, okay. You I know, fit it, in with these guys. You never really realize – how many people of the world have mustaches until you sit outside one day and you're like, when you then have a stash and you're trying to figure it out, if this is normal or not. And then you see that like still 10% of the population around you, especially above the age of 40 has, if you're above 60 or 70, it's like 50, 50. So I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm, I'm all right with it. I was once sitting at the gate on a flight to Columbia, Missouri, and I looked around and I was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone was in camo. Everyone had like some sort of boots on or like hunting gear. And I was definitely the only brown person there. So oh, yeah. second I got off the flight, I was like, pick me up, get me to my destination. Well, so we always joke, um, when we're in the Seattle airport, when we're at SeaTac there, that you can always tell which gates are flying up to Alaska and which, oh, ones, yeah. are, or which ones are flying to like the rest of the real world, the normal world. Cause you get to that Fairbanks gate and you're like, Oh man, we're damn near royalty compared to everyone else in this, in this <laughs> gate right now. So everybody's all, they look like they just crawled out of the woods and most of them did. I mean, that's why people always ask you like, Oh, you're from Alaska. <laughs> Are you? Do you live in an igloo? Well, you know, all my friends. Do you have a pet me, polar bear? All my Alaska friends give me a hard time now because I go to drink a vanilla or a venti, venti ice latte every day and sit outside in my Lulu drip, you know. And they're yeah, like, I mean, and they're like, Taylor, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm Scottsdale now. I'm sorry. You've P O E or P O M E, product of my environment. So. You've gone soft for sure. <laughs> oh, 100%. So actually, real quick, I want to ask you before we dive into the SEC preview that we have for everyone. Selfishly, do you want Patrick Mahomes to play? I mean, there's a real quick, let me tell you, there's a conflict with me. If I were going to that game, I mean, I love Patrick Mahomes, want to see him play for the long term. But if I'm going to what I thought was going to be a uh, Mahomes versus Rogers game, you know, where, where do you land there? Um. I'm kind of in the middle and probably leaning towards that. I would, I'd, I'd rather have Mahomes play um, because it'd be one thing if I was going to a ton of NFL games this year, you know, if this is the one, this could have legitimately or arguably been the best matchup of the year. Obviously the chiefs play the Patriots as well, which is uh, going to be the matchup of the year as well. But you want to see prime time fall weather, you know, the, the, maybe the favorite in the NFC now and one of the favorites in the AFC going against each other. Rematch of Super Bowl one. You know, I, 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 I uh, yeah, I think I wish Mahomes was playing. But you and I also have a little different uh, view on it because your Patriots are actively root or actively uh, against the Chiefs, right? Whereas if the Packers lose to the Chiefs, 
it, we don't lose a tiebreaker. We don't lose. Yeah, we we lose a, a game, but you're going to lose games at some point, unless you're the Patriots. But you're going to lose a couple of games a year at some point. So you chalk it up to saying like, okay, if you lose to Mahomes at Arrowhead on Sunday night football, okay, that's an all right loss. Whereas, you know, with the Patriots, it's like, okay, so this is a team that we're actively playing against for a spot. Now, obviously, the Chiefs have lost a couple of games, so that doesn't necessarily ring true now. But preseason looking at this, you'd say, okay, what, if Mahomes misses a game or two, and that means we win the AFC, then I'm fine with Mahomes missing a game or two. For me, who's not actively root or, you know, competing for a spot with those guys, I think I'd rather see Mahomes play. And as much as it pains me to say this, I would have accepted a loss to Mahomes at Mahomes at home in this situation. But now, actually, I almost feel like there's more pressure on the Packers in a way now because you can't lose to Matt Moore. So uh, now the Packers have to win this game because then, then you lose your legitimacy, uh, at least as it comes to like a national argument, if you are uh, losing to Matt Moore versus Pat Mahomes. So, yeah, to wrap that up, short story long, uh, I think I, I, I rather would have seen Mahomes play. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, if you're looking for, I mean, obviously we're talking football right now, but this is a college basketball podcast. If you're looking for a football podcast talking strictly AFC, which is what we're discussing right now, despite the Packers, but Patriots, yeah, sure, Chiefs, sure, sure. things of that nature, listen to almost football commentators, Corey Boney and Patrick Doyle. All right, let's dive into the SEC, our previews. Last episode, we touched on the ACC. We go south, a little bit south now to the sec and i mean i'll tell you what taylor this top this conference is gonna suck uh outside of florida and kentucky you think this conference is gonna stink dude i'm i'm all out on this conference as it, as it pertains to like national title contenders now sure. typically, when okay, that sure. happens when that happens when there's like two clear-cut favorites then you see some very competitive basketball, albeit not very good, but there might be a lot of competitive games that will have impacts on the bubble. But outside of Florida and Kentucky, in terms of who's going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, I think the conference stinks. But, you know, because LSU, Tennessee, Auburn, all of them, all, all those teams lost their best players. Okay, oh, he's gone. You right? can go even farther than that. Yeah. I mean, Naz Reed, the guys right. from Tennessee, Admiral Schofield. Uh, they, I Williams. think they only Grant Williams. Thank you. They bring back Jordan Bone, but the SEC has dipped off a lot in terms of talent. They did bring on in the Kerry, top end. On the top yeah. end, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, of course. But the bottom end uh, schools just uh, they they don't move the needle for me. So that's my initial thoughts on the SEC. What are yours? So they're the same but different. I actually think that, yeah, outside of the top two, this conference is going to be extremely competitive three through 12. I mean, maybe even Vanderbilt's going to be the worst team in the conference in my mind. But, you know, there's, there's an interesting or there's a reason why there's about eight teams in this conference that could be the surprise team in the conference for a number of reasons. Uh, the, the overwhelming number one reason is you have a lot of notable new coaches in this conference. You have Nate Oates for Alabama. You have Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt. You have Buzz Williams at, at Tamu. You have Eric Musselman at Arkansas. You've got a lot of new to newer coaches in this conference. Even Mike, well, Mike White's on his fifth year now, which kind of surprised me. Um, but you have a number of new coaches in this conference, and that means that 
you could have a lot of fluctuation from game to game on uh, what's going to happen here. I went through, you know, about a, a dozen or so previews as I was researching this conference. And, man, out past that number four spot, I, I think almost everybody has Kentucky, Florida, LSU, and Auburn as the top four. From five through 12, it's a complete shit show. Uh, I mean, I saw, I saw people predicting Texas A&M in the, to make the tournament. I saw Texas A&M predicted to be the worst team in the conference. I've seen Ole Miss as the – someone picked them as the five. Someone picked them as the 13. So, I mean, we're all over the place, which gives me two thoughts. One is that um, we're not, not under a lot of pressure here to be right, <laughs> you and I, because – Every other person has com- t- taken a complete stab at this thing. Yeah, from, I mean, these are complete from the guesses. top on down, right? And then uh, the other part is, is I actually think that the this is my this is my bold prediction between this conference and the ACC. I think the SEC might get more teams into the tournament than the ACC, simply because they're going to beat each other up in conference enough that enough of those teams might just flip over onto the side into the bubble. Now the ACC is going to have way more top end talent, but if you look at say the top 100 teams in college basketball, and I would say that's probably rarely does a team from outside the top 100 make a tournament. That's not a, um, a a conference winner. You say that that's probably your tournament field. You're going to find almost everybody in the top 100. There's like nine or 10 teams that are in here, but most of them are from like, 60 to 100 or 50 to 90. And so I think that they might just beat each other up enough in the right manner that a couple teams extra than normal will flip into the tournament rather than, I don't think, like I thought the ACC, there was more of a definite line on where the good teams versus the bad teams. Here we have a much more muddled middle. And I think that might actually end up turning into more tournament teams than, than anticipated. Right. I see where you're coming from, but I personally think the selection committee and who knows how the fuck the selection committee is going right. to work right. next year. Nobody knows every every single year, but I could see them looking at a bubble team from the ACC and then looking at a bubble team from the SEC and being like, oh, these guys have played a much tougher schedule. Uh, they, I mean, they're just a better team. I, they'll probably apply the eye test, which whatever that means. Again, I have the beholder, right. but I just don't think outside of Florida, Kentucky, uh, these teams are going to be very good whatsoever. No, no. So, I mean, I mean and, I, and you had mentioned it, it was 60 to a hundred, but, uh, I, I just don't see, you know, the LSU, LSU, Tennessee and Auburn, they're all probably going to be tournament teams, but they're probably going to be from ranging from I don't know a five or a six seed, that's probably what you, what you'll get. And, oh, probably probably worse than that. Yeah, but probably I mean like that's play, what you're going to get. Game type of stuff, right? But so I have, I actually have uh, uh, Mississippi State and Bama in the tournament as well. Bama strictly because of Nate Oates. And, uh, Nate Oates is an awesome coach. I was, right. uh, yeah. I mean, Nate Oates is a great coach. So I, I, I just don't see that uh, the rest of the SEC. I mean, it's his first year. It's him and and Musselman's first year in the SEC. Right. Buzz Williams, I'm not worried about. But we'll get to the coaches here in a second. Let's first kick it off with Player of the Year. Uh, who do you got? So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna completely throw away my argument from the ACC preview on how I picked the the winner of the, the conference. So not a lot of uh, continuity from your boy here, but um, 
the player of the year, I'm also, in my mind, is going to be the freshman of the year in the conference, and that's Anthony Edwards. Stud. Just a stud. 6'5", 225, just typical athletic freak. From the A, he plays, he's going to Georgia. Georgia's not going to be in it at all for the conference, obviously, and highly doubt they even make the tournament. And that's actually why I chose Anthony Edwards as the player of the year. It's going to be like a Trey Young situation, just on a team that doesn't make the tournament, in my mind. So I think you're going to have him, or maybe like a Markel Fultz from years, a couple of years ago at Washington. Well, hold where, on real quick. Oklahoma did make the tournament and got upset by the Rhodey Rams. Right. Well, no, I'm just saying it's going to be on a, a Dak type of situation, but on a team that's not good. You know, right. kind of in, in all one guy that's all encompassing for everything. So Markel Fultz is probably a better uh, comp for that. Um, and with his size and stuff, he's actually. Uh, similar in size to Markel Fultz as well. But that's neither here nor there. But that's the reason I'm going with him as the player of the year over a guy like Kerry Blackshear, who I love, really love Kerry Blackshear. I uh, loved him at Vautech. Uh Last year, he averaged 15, 8, and 2.5. Two and uh, I mean, he was, he was awesome. I really like his game. 6'10", 240, kind of prototypical big man size, especially for college basketball. But his team is so much better around him that it, I don't think he's going to get the volume that someone like Anthony Edwards is, is going to get. And so while I think Kerry Blackshear is probably the better player because he's older, he's experienced, he's going to be on a better team, he's going to have better leadership, better coaching, all of that type of stuff. I think Anthony Edwards is going to win the player of the year because just from a, a volume standpoint alone, even though Anthony Edwards is, could be argued he's the second best player in the conference too. I mean, that's a legitimate argument to make, but uh, that's my thought for player of the year. Anthony Edwards is the, clearly the best talent in the conference. Yeah, he had a huge right. get for Tom Crean in Georgia. And I mean, who knows how he was able to get Anthony Edwards to Georgia, but you know what, do what you got to do, Tom. He got the, he got the local kid. So he's going to attract fans to, to Georgia and that's huge, but you're right. They're not going to win anything. This is a one and done year for Anthony Edwards. He's going to do his best to improve his draft stock, which is already pretty high. Now, when I was looking at player of the year, I was looking at Anthony Edwards. I was also looking at Kerry Blackshear, but I was also looking at Ashton Hagens. Mm -hmm. So between those three, I was saying to myself, who can I actually envision winning this? And so for the exact reason why you think Anthony Edwards is going to win because he has such a terrible team, uh, I think that's a reason why he's just not going to be in the running. He's obviously going to play pretty well. We expect that. We expect him to play well. But – I just don't see the uh, whoever votes on this. I don't see them. Uh, I think you need to have a big enough impact on your team as a whole. That leads me to sure. Ashton Hagens and Kerry Blackshear. So I settled on Blackshear because he's the most seasoned and potentially best player in the conference. I didn't necessarily say talented, but he, he could very well be the, the best player in the conference. He's a senior. Uh, he can do everything, really. He's, he's a great get for Mike White in Florida. He can score in the paint. He can step outside, shoot the three. He can also pass out of the he's out of the post. He's just so so versatile. And the biggest thing for me with Kerry Blackshear is that he's played in big time atmospheres, right? Yeah, he's played in the ACC, so he's gone to Cameron. He's gone to the Dean Dome. He's played against top five competition, which I don't think he's going to get in conference play uh, when it comes as, outside of Kentucky. Of course, one team, right? But the point being is that Kerry Blackshear is ready for this moment and he's played in these atmospheres and he's probably the only player on that roster, right? That's done that. So he's already right. leading a top six team as the best player 
Uh, and he's he's going to be able to handle a Rupp Arena, I think. I think he's oh, yeah. going to be able to handle their out-of-conference games. So I'm taking Kerry Blackshear for his him being the elder statesman. He's a senior. He can do – he's a versatile player. Uh, I mean, he's in the he might be in the running for Naismith as well. And he's played in big-time atmospheres uh, with a lot riding on the line while playing in the ACC. So I'm taking him in the SEC. Well, he turns 23 this year. So that's absurd. Yeah, right. <laughs> you so might need a, to get a real job after this. Yeah, right. So that's a it's almost uh similar to say why Grant Williams won the SEC player of the year last year. Seasoned, talented, big man on a good team. I I completely I mean those for me, I didn't even uh I mean Higgins was there for me, but he was a distant third to to the other two guys for me. Um but I yeah, I mean I, I completely agree. I think it'll be a coin flip. Uh and I think the voters will come down to, yeah, pretty much what you and I just said. It's whether the voters, if seven of the voters think best team versus five think best talented or vice or most talented or vice versa, I think that's how it's going to come down to. I don't think it's going to be like a unanimous situation in my mind. I think it'll, it'll, that's where everybody will be torn, in my opinion. Well, I think it's going to come down to those three guys. I really, outside of those three guys, unless someone just appears like a supernova. I, I really couldn't tell you who else could steal that title away from uh, an Edwards who is incredible, but we already know he's incredible. A Kerry Blackshear who's already uh, defined his game in college. And then an Ashton Hagens who by Kentucky's account is a, is pretty much a seasoned vet uh, at this point. Right. So I, I'm excited to see those three play. And of course, two of them are on the best teams in the, in the, the conference. And then you right. have Anthony Edwards. So complete out of left field is um, guard for Alabama, Kira Lewis. He's going to be the supernova guy of this conference. If there is one, if, if there's one guy that's going to take that kind of like John Morant style of really good freshman to amazing sophomore, I think it's going to be Kira Lewis for Alabama, especially because I think Alabama is going to be a tournament team and Nate Oates is going to be a good coach. And so I think Kira Lewis Jr. is going to be kind of my out of left field guy on this team or on in this conference, Uh, because, you know, we always talk about the Kentuckys of the world and all their talent, even though they have they have the number two recruiting class in the country just like every year. But their recruiting class is different this year. It's not a bunch it of is. like it's not a bunch of like high flying NBA freaks. It's a much more like stout defensive solid college basketball player. Yep. Recruiting class. Even though these guys are all all our NBA players, don't get me wrong. But we're Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns and John Wall are not in this Kentucky class. They didn't even get any, anybody inside the top 10. Which is crazy, though, because they landed at number two overall in the preseason ranking, right? Right. Yeah. So it's going to be more like a uh, – it's just a, it's a really it's a really good college basketball recruiting class, whereas Kentucky's previous recruiting class yeah, – that's not what been, Kentucky does. Have been really good NBA recruiting classes. Yeah. Not that the, but these guys are still NBA players. I just – you're not going to have five one-and-dones from this team. And actually, right. Kentucky is interesting this year, too, because they have – their backcourt's returning, like you said, and, and Ashton Higgins and Eman Quickly, all name team Eman Quickly for a guard. I mean, that's awesome. The last time, correct me if I'm wrong, but when when was the last time that uh, Kentucky had a returning starting backcourt? Was it the? Uh, uh, I think Tyler Ulis came back, but the, I think he was the only one. I don't know if the whole backcourt came back. Well, who are the brothers? 
the twins. The Harrison twins. The yeah. Harrisons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean that that was the first thing that came to mind. Having not dove into that, I can't remember the last time that Kentucky had like some returning. If, if we can call sophomores veterans now, returning veterans to the roster that were talented can, and to mix with some of those freshmen coming in. Can we also say real quick that the Harrison twins are like the light version of the Morris twins? They look the exact same. They probably do the exact same shit. Just neither of them are NBA players. I hate all four of them. I hate all. Four I love them. the Morrises, the Morai twins. I love them. The twins Morai, but the Harrisons, <laughs> I'm whatever on. Hey, hey, uh, man, and, hey! I forget who it was. It might have been Aaron or Andrew, but he beat Wisconsin. That's kind of chill. Well, you know, even diving further into your comp here is the other brother was the higher drafted, better college player, yep. and then the other brother was the better NBA player, right? Marcus was the better college player than Keith, but Keith for a while had a better, better NBA career. Yeah, and then. I can't remember. Which it's impossible to keep the Morris twins straight. Yeah. Man. That's why like the Harrison twins, I'm glad that neither of them are relevant at all. Or Harrison well, twins, they're gone. They didn't even give them like Andrew or Aaron, Marquise or Marcus yeah. or Marcus. Help, help it's, it's like, how about, how about like Taylor and Jim? Jim. Like nothing. Yeah. Right. Like just some random uh, different names so we can figure out who is who. But yeah, that's funny. I never really thought of that. So the Harrison twins are the broker, version of the Morris twins. Great, Perfect. Great, great value. More twins. Yes. There you go. All right. Let's talk coach of the year. Who you got for coach of the year in the sec. So I've referenced him a couple of times and I think it's going to be newcomer, Nate Oast. Yeah. Um, I, and that's specifically because you could give it to Calpari every year. Um, kind of just like we were talking about in the ACC, you could give it to, to Roy or actually you could give it to Tony Bennett every year. You could give it to any of those guys every year, but I think Nate Oates, because of all the new coaches in the conference, I think people will expect less from him because he's a he was probably a bigger name in coaching circles than the other new coaches, but he's a smaller name as it comes to uh, noteworthiness when it comes to the media or fans, right? Like people know Eric Musselman and Buzz Williams and Jerry Stackhouse. They, they, they know those guys. Most people don't know who Nate Oates is. And so I think that he'll surprise a lot of people. Um, and as we talk about often, college basketball media sucks. So uh, they probably just started doing their previews today too. And they work for their this as a job. But uh, yeah, Nate Oates is going to be my pick because uh, I think Alabama is going to be um, maybe not the surprise team in the conference, but I think they're going to be uh, pretty good. I think they're going to make the tournament. And so that's why I, I'm going to pick Nate Oates. I was – actually, I don't want to give away my pick for who's going to win the conference. So I won't tell you who I was considering as the other as the other coach. Yeah, so. hang tight onto that. If you don't yeah. know Nate Oates, by the way, get to know him, man. He is going to be successful at Alabama. He was very successful at Buffalo, taking down the number four seeded Arizona Wildcats in – like very convincing fashion. He beat the hell out of Arizona. So Nate Oates is a great pick and a great, uh, a great coach. I don't think Alabama is going to wow many people. I mean, that's where we no, obviously disagree, right. but I, I don't think that they're going to get enough wins for him to actually win this award. But at some point in the very near future, sure. Right. I could see Nate Oates or like Eric Musselman winning this award. And it actually was very difficult for me not to pick my boy Musselman because 
I was, all on, I was all on him last year when he coached Nevada. I actually am happy for him, and he's obviously had a better coaching job now at Arkansas, and I think he's going to be able to turn that program around. Uh, that being said, I'm actually going to go with my number one boy in the SEC. If you think – I mean, and I know you know me, but to the listeners, if you think Musselman's my boy, Bruce Pearl is like five steps ahead of him. So I'm going Bruce Pearl as my coach of the year. And the reason being is because I think he's going to ride this wave of momentum from going to the final four last year. And I think, I mean, he is an incredibly good coach with, uh, you know, limited players. He turned Chumo Kiki into a somewhat household name last year, right? Bryce Brown, great leadership. But the thing is that those guys are now gone. So I think this is going to be one of Pearl's best coaching jobs. And I don't expect them to get to a final four this year, but then again, I never expected them to go last year, right? <laughs> yeah. They've won the SEC title past two years running, regular season SEC title. And he still has Javon McCormick and uh, Daniel Purifoy, one of my favorite names out there, Purifoy and McCormick, coming back this year. So he is he lost a lot of star power in, in Okiki and Bryce Brown. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if we all remember, Okiki was lost – uh, in that North Carolina game, I believe, mm-hmm. right? So they've mm-hmm. won a game without him in the a tournament. Big game. Yeah, exactly. So Bruce Pearl can do this. He, he's currently ranked number two. I think he's going to get Auburn solidly at that third spot in the SEC, but it's going to be a little bit further behind Florida than a lot of people will think. Uh, Florida or Kentucky, shit, I think I just completely ruined my uh, regular season champion, but whatever. That's okay. Yeah, so I'm going to go with with Bruce Pearl there uh, with Musselman and Nate Oates bringing up the rear. So I'm actually going to segue into the champion because I've completely okay. ruined it. Yeah, go ahead. Why don't, you, why don't you start us off? There? I'm going Kentucky. Uh, it was obviously between Kentucky and Florida, for me at least. Uh, they're the better team than Florida, in my opinion, slightly, and they'll have been through the absolute ringer prior to playing them. If you look at the schedule, Kentucky and Florida don't play until late. Like their first game is in February, which is pretty damn late. But when I say they've Kentucky will have been tested and gone through the ringer, uh, what I mean is that they'll have played Michigan State, which is the opener. They'll have played Ohio State, number ranked 18th team in the country. They'll have played Louisville on the road. They'll have played defending runner-up Texas Tech. They'll have played a tough Auburn team. And they'll have also played LSU. This is all before Florida. So I know you and I always talk about, well, it doesn't matter if you have, if you play a tough schedule, you need to win those games, right? Mm. So if they don't win those games going into Florida, then I'll be concerned. But if they come out of those with, let's say only one loss out of, out of that whole gauntlet, and then they take on Florida, I think they'll beat Florida. And then, of course, if you win that head-to-head matchup, that might be enough to win the entire regular season conference. So I'm going Kentucky. Number one, I think they are just a better team. Number two, I think Calipari is a huge huge advantage over Mike White uh, in terms of coaching, and they'll have been tested. So I'm going to fact check you here real quick on something that you just said about your coach of the year. Talk to me. Who won the SEC last year, regular season? It wasn't Auburn? Auburn finished fourth. I thought they won the oh, – did they win the title, the conference tournament? They won the tournament, yes. Oh, okay. 
Who won well, the FCC last? Will Wade and the fighting, oh LSU, and, that's right. And the Cheating Tigers won the conference last year at six. Thank you. I appreciate that yeah. fact check. Wait, so hold on. I, I I want to check one more thing before you dive into your conference champion. Did Auburn win? They they won some sort of SEC title the year prior, right? The, yeah, they won the regular season the year. Before. Okay, so they won regular yeah. season then conference. One could argue that they did win back to back. No, no, no. You're, on, right. you're yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I appreciate that. No problem. Sorry to do that right here in front of everybody, right here on Main Street. But uh, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want uh, Burgo to come get us and, uh, <laughs> and and correct us after the show. Oh, that's right. So, so um, my second coach of the year candidate was going to be Mike White because I think Florida is going to win the conference this year. Uh, it's almost the exact same reason, but opposite of what you said leading into that uh, Florida game, Florida versus Kentucky. I think Kentucky's just going to – I think Kentucky's going to end up being the better team and has a higher ceiling than Florida. But I think Kentucky is just going to drop one game randomly like they kind of do because Calipari knows how to prepare for the tournament. And sometimes that winning every game in the conference doesn't quite much matter – as it comes to preparing for the tournament. And so I think we see Kentucky drop a game or two every year that he doesn't have like John Wall and, and Anthony Davis and all those guys on the team. He drops one or two of those extra games per year that he shouldn't just because a lot of times what they're trying to implement is better for the tournament. So simply because of that, I would say that Florida will win the conference the regular season. It wouldn't surprise me if Kentucky won the tournament and went further in the tournament, though. So this is kind of like almost a cop-out answer. I think Kentucky is the better team with the higher ceiling. But I think Florida is going to just kind of like almost like LSU did last year. Yeah. Nobody thought LSU was going to win anything, but they won the conference 16-2. and two. I think it's going to be a similar situation to that where Kentucky's just going to drop a few, even maybe just one more than Florida. They might even – I think that they actually might even beat – Florida, but lose the conference just because I think they're going to make a, take a random drop of a game somewhere in there. And that's not even, to be honest with you, I have 15 pages of notes about me in front of me about the SEC and me thinking that Kentucky is going to randomly drop a game has, is, has no statistical backup at all other than just a feeling that I have that, it, that but they do. They, 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 yeah, they do. right. I don't have, yeah, I don't have facts to back that up. I don't have, I, I can't point to one game where they're going to go play Georgia and get upset or anything like that. I just think that there's going to be a game and one, just one extra game that they drop because I think Florida is just going to have such a solid, I think they're going to have a very even keel year. I think Kentucky's going to be a little more up and down, even though they're down is still better than 13 other teams in the conference. Um, I think they're just going to end up dropping one little more game uh, than Florida does just along the, the, uh, the line there. And again, that's just a feeling more than it is, uh, than there is any statistical backup for that. Well, we've said on the very first episode of the show that we don't look at the numbers or anything like that. This is strictly off of feeling and, and what we watch and gut punch, you know, hey, gut feeling. Hey, I got numbers right here in front of me, man. Okay. Ditch them, dude. <laughs> There's no point. Because every single time I reference a number, it like the opposite will happen, right? right? Right. And you know what I'm excited for? Week one, game one, Calipari. He's probably going to be down at halftime by let's say like eight points or something, and he's going to give that interview. You know which interview I'm talking about? They're just kids, Subi. They're just kids. kids. 
Kids. This is their first college I mean, basketball game. They're just kids. For Christ's sake, Shannon Spake. Oh, that's a rhyme <laughs> right there. Shannon. Shannon, he's going to put his arm around her. Shannon. They're just kids. These are 18-year-olds going up against Cassius Winston. <laughs> are you Ash? Like, well, sir, uh, Coach Cal Ashton Hagens is, uh, is a sophomore, isn't he? He's 19 years old. He's just going to – it's one of my favorite interviews that he does consistently, and he's going to get another one in SEC play. So it's the kids' interview, but before the kids' interview usually comes, the, oh, we stink. We suck. Yeah, They'll be up lot. like – They'll be up like eight points. And he's like, we're getting out rebounded. These kids, they just think they just think they're given their scholarship. <laughs> That's what Again, I'm excited for. Yeah, there's that usual like Utah Valley State game that they I, there was a game just like this. Exactly like it may have been against Utah Valley last year, where it was like 41 to 42 at halftime at Rupp, right? And you yeah. and I are texting, and I'm sure in all your group chats and stuff too. I'm like, you're like, oh. Peter in Lexington, you know, and then they blew him out in the second half. But that is the same conversation. It's like, this, this is our third game at college basketball. You can't expect them to have it all together. But Utah Valley, senior-laden squad, you know. Like, those guys are men. We're just boys over here right now, you know. <laughs> it's like, Cal, you're preseason ranked number two. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. funny. Uh, it's funny also. They, Florida and Kentucky, the last game of conference play is those two. And it's in Rupp. And so usually last game of conference play means senior night, which means the crowd's going to be cr- going crazy. But senior mm-hmm. night doesn't mean shit in, in Lexington. <laughs> like it's, it's, just an, it's just another day. They don't even observe it, I swear. But last game of the year is going to be crucial. And so I actually think the big reason why Kentucky's going to win this conference is I think they're going to go 2-0 against Florida. I, ah. think they, I think they beat them on the road, and then last game they'll, they'll win in Rupp. Gotcha. Gotcha. Here's, here's how you know, and just echoing your thoughts, because I'm looking at Kentucky's schedule from last year. Here's how you know that Kentucky runs a completely different basketball program than every other basketball program in the country. On their official schedule, they have the first thing is not Big Blue Madness. It's not the Big the Blue-White game, which they also do. It's a pro day. <laughs> I mean... Dude, that's their number one recruiting tool. Before their season even starts, they have a pro day. That's how you know that Kentucky put, does does things a little different. And that game last year I was referencing was against uh, uh, VMI, not Utah Valley State. VMI, dude, I couldn't yeah. even tell you what what is VMI. Virginia Military Institute. Gosh, yeah, I could not tell you that. Someone went there. Some NBA player went there. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I know yeah. Ben Wallace went to Virginia Union. That might be what we're referencing. I'll give. No, nah, I don't know. We'll, we'll table this for another time. But, but no. Okay. So you think they're going to go two and zero? I mean, I think at best. I don't think. Here's what I'll say, and, and this is almost an anti-argument to my reasoning for Florida winning. I don't think Florida can expect to go two and zero, or even hope to go two and zero against Kentucky. I think Kentucky can go two and zero against Florida, but I don't think Florida can go two and zero against Kentucky. For Florida to win the conference. They have to split those games. For Kentucky to win the conference, they have to win both those games. There's my my hot take of the top of the SEC right there. That's fair. I mean, and a lot of those games that I had mentioned prior to that Florida game, that first Florida game that Kentucky will have to play, mm-hmm. uh, 
they're all pretty much, with the exception of Auburn and LSU, out of conference. So even if they win those, that means nothing to what we're we're discussing right now. So I'm glad this is a lot better than than last episode, Taylor, because we shared Player of the Year and we shared the regular season champion. Right. We're different on on all of them, right? So re- recap: Player of the Year, who'd you have? Uh, Anthony Edwards from Georgia, Nate Oates, the Alabama coach for Coach of the Year, and I have Florida winning by at most, or at minimum, at most, a game. I don't think that they I, – I think it's only by game if Florida wins the conference. Yeah, so I got Blackshear, I got Bruce Pearl as my Coach of the Year, and then I got Kentucky uh, cutting down the regular season next. So I do have a, two things for you. One, before I close out on Kentucky's schedule. Also, I love how – this might be completely true for every other college basketball program. So I'm without looking it up. I just think it's hilarious that for their blue white game uh, that they just had this last Friday, which is just another inner squad scrimmage. They put W 81 to 80. So they won just, you know, just, <laughs> just so when you look through their roster, the their, final their, score, yeah. their schedule at the end of the year, they won 81 to 80 who won. I don't know, but they did. Kentucky did. The the name on the front won (laughs) that game. I mean, it's true. Go ahead. I was going to say, so about Bruce Pearl, though, do you think that because of any of the allegation stuff that has come out over the last year or two, do you think that's going to affect the voters in voting him the coach of the year? That would Uh, be my only thing I think that would would maybe prevent him from being the coach of the year. Yes, I do think it it will impact them because – so I thought you were going to go and ask me, do you think it'll impact him and the way he coaches in the team? No, because no, no, I don't uh, think that yeah. like it's, it's not, it, this all has died down essentially, but these angry old college basketball <laughs> writers hold on to this shit. So yeah, it probably will affect him. And I didn't necessarily take that into account. So if he loses then I'm going to use that as a built-in excuse. Well, yeah, I mean, I would too. It's almost a, a, a perfect marriage of it's a no lose scenario for your your guests there so do you have uh yeah maybe like a surprise team in the conference that you think might be a little better than anticipated or do you think that everyone is kind of just the muddled middle because i feel like that's not even a cop-out answer i feel like that's really just an accurate like reflection of that middle part of the conference maybe arkansas i mean literally when i look at this conference i go florida kentucky one and two they're the heavyweights right then you got the lightweights in LSU and Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe even Tennessee too. I'm, I'm, maybe, but they lost a ton of talent as well. And then the rest, like the rest right. is just a filler that I'll watch uh, on ESPN too. Like with Jimmy, right. that's it. I don't expect <laughs> anything with those guys. So um, do you think, do you have a team and this might be going too deep into it really, but do you have a team that you do you think that is going to finish last in the conference? That might be a better question than who's going to finish in the middle. Cause I think Vanderbilt is the worst team in this conference. That's a good question. So I, w- I want to say Vanderbilt as well, but I do think Jerry Stackhouse is going to implement a-, a culture change there because they have been dreadful ever since Kevin Stallings like last year or two there. Right. Bryce drew tried his hardest, but just completely dreadful. I mean, it, it might just be Vandy. I, I could see Ole Miss being dead last. You see, but that but Kermit won the coach of the year last year. Yeah. yeah I, I, that's what's so crazy about this conference is 
there is a reason why every team outside of that top six could be the worst team in the conference, but there's also a reason why they could be like the fifth best team in the conference. I mean, it's compelling. Mississippi, Mississippi State won the NIT last year. Yeah, I mean, it's compelling for sure. It's it's and it's going to be competitive, but. I just don't think that any of them are good. Like you can, uh, I no, love college yeah. basketball, right? right? Like I will watch a two versus a fifteen in the tournament because it's compelling. That doesn't mean Middle Tennessee State is any good, right? Yeah, right. Oh, I'll, but, yeah. I mean, how many how many stupid West Coast Conference games have I watched at eleven yeah. p.m. against the Dons and some random fucking team from Utah? You know, yeah. whatever. Right. I every night of my life. So. Now, here's an important question about Vanderbilt. Do you think Jerry Sackhouse is going to be able to get rid of that god-awful arena and build them something that doesn't suck? Because no. that is the worst arena in college basketball. Would I you agree, agree with, with you. That no, I won't disagree with that. It is the worst in college basketball. It's not the worst floor. The worst floor goes to Oregon. But, yeah, the worst arena, the worst, uh, I don't know, design, if you will, is definitely Vanderbilt. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. And, honestly, at some point, I'm actually shocked at how successful I put that in air quotes that program's been with that court. Like I, I, I'm just talking about player coach communication. I mean, it's been dissected yeah. a million times, right. but I'm being dead serious. When your team is on the complete opposite end of the floor, how do you communicate? Yeah. Well, or do you somehow use that as a home court advantage? And because other teams only get, play there one time a year and don't know how to use it, where they get to play 18, 20 times a game a year there and somehow figure it out. Except the team never has any talent, so they're never good, so it doesn't matter. Like, you know, how much does Calipari really have to coach a team full of first-round draft picks against the worst team in the conference? Yeah. I mean, I understand how good of a coach Calipari is. This is me not giving – this is me – because I completely think he's an awesome coach. You know, myself included, we used to all give him shit about just – rolling the ball out and just being a good recruiter, right? When you play Vanderbilt, you, you could probably just roll the ball out and you probably got a 15, 20 point win without too, too much effort. So, Vandy, Vandy athletics kills me, man, except for their baseball team. Their baseball team's incredible, but I, I'm sure you saw Derek Mason post game, the head coach of the Vanderbilt football coach saying, you know, a lot of people want this job, but I'm the man that's built for the job. I'm like, Doug, you you've gone like fucking three and ten the past two years. Get out of here. Your team stinks. And then also you look at Vanderbilt basketball, they're kind of snake bitten. I kind of feel bad that they didn't get to see Darius Garland play last year. That sucks. So who is your favorite Vanderbilt athlete? Of all time? Yes. Uh David Price. He won a World Series for the Red Sox. Oh, mine's gotta be Jay Cutler. Oh yeah, Cutty <laughs> Cutler's pretty cool. I, I was looking at he's their. The, ro- he's the Packers' third best quarterback of the last thirty years. So <laughs> I was. That's good. I was looking at. I was looking at uh, Vanderbilt's old teams because I wanted to find someone obscure for the intro, and I completely forgot Festus Azili played there. Yeah. No. You know Vanderbilt. Much like I talked about on the last episode, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, and Georgia Tech. In my mind, is I get them all. I, I, they're just all muddled to me. They're the same colors that then they have like the same talent level. Generally, they're never good at the same time. They're all very intelligent schools. Yeah. So for me, they're all probably within like 200 miles of each other, 300 miles of each other. So it's just kind of funny that like yeah. when it comes to thinking of that team, 
I mean, those schools, I'm always like, oh, wait, no. No, that was Jared Jack was taking strippers out for Georgia Tech. If Smith was at Wake Forest, yeah, Festus Azili is over there at Vanderbilt. That's right, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Jared, they're all... Jared, but Derek Favors was down there at Georgia Tech. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of one of those things that um, I, I don't want to say get confused, but when I'm just at, just off the top of my head, I always get that confused. Well, but, when they're or, talking, when I mean, all of those players could start for Vander, what is it? We'll call it Vander Wake Tech. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> cool. Vander Wake Tech. Cool. I love it. I love it. So another question for you here, and this is kind of more of like an umbrella type of uh, topic when it comes to the SEC in general. So, you know, how many basketball schools are there in the SEC? One? Yeah, it's Kentucky. Kentucky, right. Is there a basketball job in this conference outside of Kentucky that is way better than any of the other ones? Florida? Is Florida number – Florida's got to be number two. I think that's obvious because they have – way, way better than what? You know, like any of the other schools in the conference. Like, is there any basketball? Oh job? yeah. So, Florida. Like, what, what is your what is your hierarchy after Florida, Tennessee? I think Arkansas is there. Arkansas. Arkansas, Arkansas had great years under Nolan Richardson. I mean, right. although it, it was kind of uh, the mid '90s, Arkansas team with, with Richardson and Corliss Williamson. There's yeah. history there, right? I mean, at the very at the very least, you got to go for history. I think Tennessee's pretty good too. They play 40, in great 40, Yeah, Arkansas, forty minutes of hell, right? I mean, that's a it's interesting because you can go through all of these teams and you can pinpoint like a five to seven year stretch that they had. That was yeah. really good. But, yeah. But it's just funny that like even South Carolina made a final four three years yep. ago. You know, it's just kind of funny that you can't, there's probably an argument just like there's an argument for that. Any of these teams can make the tournament or any of these teams could finish last. There's probably an argument for why each of these teams is a better basketball job than another one, but there's probably an argument against that as well. Alabama, yeah, Alabama could be a great job, except nobody gives a shit about the Alabama basketball program. You know, but that could be good, right? Right, no, exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you you're know, not into like, expectations, right? Tennessee this year, the football program is just a dumpster fire. So you're like, well, we can't do worse than that, you know? So sweet, and we have a little bit of history, so awesome. Yeah, Tennessee actually might be the best because they will forever be a diehard football school, but you all also know that they're consistently going to suck. So if you can do what Rick Barnes did last year, which was, in my opinion, overachieved. They were number one team in the country for a couple of weeks, but you don't even have to do that. Rick Barnes, just be like a four or five seed, and you are a god compared to Jeremy Pruitt, Butch Jones, and every other – I mean, obviously not Phil Fulmer, but yeah. Tennessee's a pretty good job, a basketball job. This conference has the most interesting batch of coaches, one through like 14, though. They're all like names that college basketball people know, whether it's from their former jobs or their current jobs. or their jo- it's, it's, it's They've their all had big-time jobs. Job. Yeah, it's, right. They it's all their, have big-time – they've all been to like Final Fours elsewhere. You know. It's there for Ben Howland, Buzz Williams, Rick Barnes. Like we all know Frank, them from Frank, Frank Martin. Martin. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. SEC is like the SEC is like a graveyard for coaches. Like, I never. It's like the they Pac-12. Don't come, it's like the Pac-12 for football. Yeah, right. They don't necessarily come to die, but like you're pretty much done. Like this is Ben Howland's and uh, Rick Barnes's last stop. I would have to think. It really is. I really just made that analogy off the top of my head. It's crazy. I think about it, but it is pretty much Pac-12 football, the SEC basketball. It's yeah. like all the kid, all the guys that failed other places and decided to come back because, you know, someone much offered like, them a job. Much so. like Pac-12 football, you're probably in a nice weather place and you don't have any expectations. 
Like, yes. I, again, you had mentioned there's only one true basketball program. Right. Florida obviously is a somewhat close second because of their recent history. That's not even rec- that recent anymore. That's like 15 years ago. They're right. Their their heyday. So Pac-12 football might be a touch more prolific than Pac-12 or than SEC. Basketball a touch. I'll give them. you a touch. Yeah. yeah. And that's only because of Kentucky. Without Kentucky. Oh yeah. Then, then it would be gone. Well, you could you can make the case that it's really only because of USC for us. Maybe Oregon. Oregon, yeah. So yeah. right. So Oregon is Florida. USC yeah, is perfect. Kentucky. Yeah, right. That's perfect. Beautiful. Arizona. Arizona's what? Tennessee. No. What in basketball or football? Uh, we're like no. We are not bat, Tennessee. Basket basketball. LSU. We're LSU in basketball. Yeah. To Alabama's UCLA. I think it's apples and origins. Oranges, yeah, I, 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 like, just, I was just, I was just trying to extend the analogy. You know, like if if Ed Orgeron, I know, I don't, I can't believe we're in this rabbit hole with the SEC. <laughs> for for as much as I think the conference sucks, this is like the most time I've spent talking about it. But if Ed Orgeron finishes with a New Year's Bowl, that's a hell of a season, right? But if we finish in the Elite Eight. It's fucking so disappointing again. Yeah, right. Right. So right. I, I get what you're saying. But, sure. Uh, I was thinking the one national championship thing when they probably should yeah. have like five was kind of where my analogy was going for that. I like so, that. Good yeah. good rabbit hole. we got to dig ourselves out though. So that's our SEC preview. Taylor has, you know, you got Anthony Edwards player of the year. I got Kerry Blackshear. I got Bruce Pearl. You got Nate Oates. You got Florida winning. I got Kentucky. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be two-stepping and over-exaggerating when Kentucky beats Michigan State on the first night. <laughs> With just kids, Suvi. They're 18, 19 years old. They're going to beat a senior laden or Michigan State squad. With kids. That's Tom Izzo over there. Okay, I'll, I'll digress. <laughs> Let's, uh, before we get into our starting five, a quick message from the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, Taylor, let's dive into our starting five here. Again, same rules apply as what we did with the ACC. These are our favorite SEC basketball players that we watched kick us off. So I have completely different thoughts from the ACC to the SEC. I had a tough time picking between the players that I really enjoyed versus like the ACC. I was having a tough time deciding who I – it was more like who I hated least – the SEC 100% wins the all-name conference of all time. I mean, you could, go, you could go 50 names that are great in this conference. Just not, not good basketball players, but good names, you know. So I'm actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the rules a little bit, Sue, because that's how I feel like it. I'm actually going to give you three people that I left off of my list just quickly that I really enjoyed and had a tough time leaving off. One was Cindy out of Gaines. I left that one off my list. God. Georgia, right? <laughs> yep. I left John Wall off my list. Okay. And John Wall was pretty much there because that's right when we were in kind of like our golden era, I would call it, the, our golden age of college fanhood, where we would still care about lining up to go to college. Oh, we were in college. Yeah. Out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so I, that's, you know, John Wall was awesome. But that's why I left him off the list because I think that was more of a recency bias. I was literally at McHale center eight hours before every game, you know, so I was really in the golden era of college basketball for, for me. And then uh, my boy Jarvis Bernardo, I left him off my list as well. So, but let's say, right. Yeah. Yeah. But let's start with a guy that we previously referenced and just 
just because a great name b great story c i got to watch them play in person and that's Sendarius thornwell with south carolina uh i feel like that's not an obvious answer but that run to the final four was pretty cool for a school like south carolina uh the final four that year was here in phoenix and i did go to the final four that year and watch them play uh so that was pretty cool to see a team like south carolina uh, go to the final four kind of at random and Sendarius thornwell uh carried them the whole way so for south carolina my first pick i have Sendarius thornwell now i would be very surprised if you didn't have number two on your list as well and that's the land shark marshall henderson uh, i mean i if, if those if, if people are listening to this they know who marshall henderson is guy just the biggest antagonist outside of a Duke player probably in the last 20 years in college basketball. Is that, is that an accurate statement? I fucking love Marshall Henderson. And <laughs> yes, he is on my list. I like, there's no point in, I've, I've done a lot of spoiling this episode. There's no point in hiding that. I love Marshall Henderson, all time villain. Uh, I mean, when he's just yelling at the members of the crowd and the student section, it's not hitting big threes and just turning around and giving the land shark. Dude, oh, the, the 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 Auburn game when he literally just started yelling and pointing at an old man. Yeah, or what? Like, remember when he was yeah, the, uh, the other kids and the yeah, right. Well, he used to do that a lot, but literally standing on like the sidelines, like, like just. But like this old head. man just comes up. And he was so mad at Marshall. <laughs> oh man, those are great days. Yeah, and that that Ole Miss team wasn't particularly awesome, but they did make the tournament two years with them, or just one. Two. I, I think it was two. One or two, I forget. Yeah. But that was like Andy Kennedy's best couple years. And that was a classic time where like you're uh you're looking at your bracket and you're like, you know what? Fuck it. Marshall Henderson's leading this team to Elite Eight. And that obviously never happens because then they play like real opponents and you know, he doesn't score thirty a game. So also, how did we forget him chucking ice down the court? Oh <laughs> well there's there's a lot that he did, yeah. Every game was uh, was a different. Uh, and then game, wasn't he yeah. wasn't he playing in like Saudi Arabia or something too? I mean, Marshall oh. Henderson is like top five most fascinating people in college basketball. He he like I don't want to use the term white trash, but I'm going to use the term white trash because there is no question that even though he's a really good basketball player, that it, you could easily picture Marshall Henderson like hammering a 40 in some like backwoods like trailer in like West Virginia or Miss, well, in Mississippi, but literally anywhere in the South, like literally the year at make while he's playing college basketball, I could see him with a, like a, an old English in hand, like cooking up moonshine and smoking meth pretty much. Love, love, him, though. love him though. Love, yeah, Marshall love him though. Love him. So uh, I'm going to go from um, a diminutive white guy to the largest human that's ever played college basketball before, and that's Patrick Young. <laughs> that man was the biggest person I think I've ever seen in person in my life. I mean, his biceps are bowling balls. That guy was a freak athlete. And, I mean, I, I could go on for days. Here. Dude, he, was, he was doing, like, Patrick Willis-type off-season drills. For he, workouts. He should have been an NFL player. 100%. He wasted his time with basketball. A complete waste of time. And I remember actually 
we Taylor and I referenced this, you know, we, a, a lot. The greatest day of our lives, mm-hmm. which is the day that we watched Florida lose to Arizona, it was a top five matchup in McHale Center. But Arizona had Caleb Tarzuski, who is a mountain of a man himself, and he was backing down Patrick Young. And we're looking at this in person. When you get back down, like you, you give up a, a little bit of ground, right? Your feet move backwards a little bit. Complete brick wall. Patrick Young did not move an inch. It's like if I went and ran and jumped against my wall right now, that would be like trying to back down Patrick Young. And a brick wall. That's not even a good example because this is sheetrock. A brick wall. The Great Wall of China. Whatever wall you want to pick. That is who Patrick Young is. So I had to pick him. Just a freak athlete. And I don't even know, what, I don't even know if he's a freak athlete. Just a physical specimen maybe is specimen. the way to put it. Yeah. Could right. not do a damn thing with the ball in his hand, though. Completely wasted his time playing college basketball. If he would have become a defensive end, he would have been Mario Williams or Jadavian Clowney. But maybe better because he was five inches taller than those guys. So Patrick Young is nine number three for Florida. Now I got to take it up to my volunteers after this and go with the number one headband-wearing player in the history of college basketball, and that's Wayne Chisholm. How his headband stayed on his head is still a mystery that they are discussing in Knoxville, I'm sure, to this day. Because that thing may have well has been, have been a yarmulke. I don't know how it stayed on his head. And it was so thick, too. I don't know. I, I, baffling. Baffling to me. That team was the best headband-wearing team as well in college basketball history. Just an awesome team. Baggy shorts, headbands. JP Prince, all those guys on that team. That was an Duke awesome. Cruz. That was an awesome Tennessee team. And Wayne Chisholm led the way with just the most absurd headband in the history of college basketball. That's an awesome pick. I love that team as well. Oh, like, I love you that. hit on 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 everything. <laughs> I mean, the the headbands, but also just the names as well. Wayne Chisholm, Duke Cruz, like <laughs> they'll fuck you up. Oh yeah, that was an awesome. Team. And Bruce Pearl was their head coach. Yeah. Like, that like, was an all-time team. In orange body paint while Wayne Chisholm is – and he never adjusted his headband either. I don't get it. It's just – it's a scientific miracle. That it's like, it it's like that head. picture – it's that picture of T.I. when he – like his hat is <laughs> tipped at just such an absurd angle, but it doesn't move. And it's not even resting on his ear too, which is absurd. Like there's clear space between his ear and his head. Yeah, wild. Uh, so, yeah, King of the South – T.I., a lot of respect for Wayne Chisholm, I'm sure, as well. And then from a guy that had a great headband to another guy that had a lot, or actually a little, going on with his head, and that's old cue ball Keith Bogans for Kentucky. That guy, the baldest man man in the history of college basketball. He played – this is kind of uh, – a throwback in a way because he's probably right around the time that we've referenced before where we first really started paying attention to college basketball. Um, and that was kind of in the really early 2000s, late 90s. Keith Bogans played uh, from 99 to 03, somewhere in that range for, yeah. for Kentucky. Lead guard actually had a fairly decent NBA career too. After he that. Did. And he's an assistant coach now too. So Wayne Chisholm and Keith Bogans are there. I like Wayne Chisholm way more than I like Keith Bogans, but Keith Bogans, for similar reasons to Wayne Chisholm, that guy, completely bald, like smoothest head in the league at like 19 years old, 20 years old. 
I love it, man. Honestly, I, I that's a great roster. And <laughs> I, I it's kind of scary how alike we think because Patrick Young had crossed my mind. Don't get me wrong. None of these guys except for Marshall Henderson right. are on my team, but Patrick Young crossed my mind. Uh, Would this team, if I may. Duke, Duke Cruz crossed my mind. This team might win games, though. Keith Bogan, oh, yeah. Marshall Henderson, Patrick Young, and Sundarius Thornwell. Thornwell. That team might win games. I, I don't always do these lists by like position by position, and this one actually worked out that you could start all five of these guys on a college basketball roster at the same time and have a good team. Sometimes, sure. we, end up, sometimes we end up with like four big guys or four guards or whatever. This is actually like a well-built team from top to bottom. Criteria is Completely on accident. Completely on accident. Yeah, but the criteria is great too because I feel like in the ACC we were talking about how athletic someone was or their game or their jump shot, et cetera. But you'll see with mine as well, uh, I feel like the SEC guys are just all attitude, their uniforms, how cool they were. Way more fun. Yeah, way more fun. Again, I'm shocked at how – I think I love the SEC for basketball. I know. It's like I made a guys, crazy discovery. None of these guys were actually good. Well, I mean, they were good, but they not, they weren't. I, I didn't even really consider like the Carl Anthony Towns and, and whatnot of the no, world because I, I like they weren't there for long enough, and yeah. it was kind of like, well, you. I'm not anti Kentucky necessarily, but you know, I was like, oh yeah, wow, you're gonna pick the number one pick, cool. When you have someone like Wayne Chisholm, you could pick, yeah. I really could have picked, like you said, I could have picked any of those guys from that, uh, from that Tennessee, Tennessee team. team. I, yeah. I, there are so many more names I could have picked, uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to ruin your list. So let me hear your list, and then we can go through some of the other names that we considered. Well, well, you inadvertently made fun of me because my first pick on my team was John Wall, number one. No, overall that's fine. Pick. I mean, I, can, I considered. No, I considered. He was so much cooler than some of those other guys. Though. John Wall is awesome. He was electric, super fast. Yeah, the Dougie. Uh, no, that's the John no, Wall excuse dance. Me, the John yeah. Wall dance. Excuse oh, yeah. me, not the Dougie. Uh, busted it out for the Wizards, his very first game. It's kind of a shame that that Kentucky team didn't go to the Final Four. It he was busted him. out. He busted out the dance like at Midnight Madness. Midnight yeah. Madness. Yeah, yeah that's right. true. But John Wall was awesome on and off the court. Uh, it sucks that he's currently injured right now. But again, tough that they never went to that team. Didn't go to a Final Four because they were stacked. It was John Wall, Boogie. Eric Bledsoe, I think Daniel Orton was on that team. And this is the team, if you want to talk jerseys, this is probably why they didn't get to the Final Four because their jerseys were awful. I'm not talking the design. I'm talking a lot of teams during that time period had the super tight top and the baggy shorts. But I'm pretty sure it slowed John Wall down because he was was still so fast. I have all three pair of those Arizona shorts, and I put them on. A little while back, and Danielle, my girlfriend, told me that she was going to break you, up with me. If I you drown in them, dude. You yeah. completely drown in them. Like you could jump out of a helicopter or a plane or whatever and uh, land. I safe. wore those. I wore those to class. I mean, that was different. <laughs> we have pictures from ten years ago that I don't want people seeing. But John Wall, super cool, just I mean, awesome, awesome guy. I love John, watching John Wall play. Uh, I did have Marshall Henderson. And we, we touched upon him, but just hysterical. So many antics. And even on the court, he was hysterical. He would make the dumbest passes. He would try to do literally and one mixtape tour. So he thought it was the professor out there, but he was like, he was hysterical when he would get oh, hot. Baby. Yeah. When he would get hot, dude, like he would have like five heat checks. If after, you know, when you, when you score maybe like four or five threes in a row or something and you take like one or two heat checks. Marshall would say, no, I'm not done. 
He would make absurd passes. Love Marshall Henderson. He would go all the way so much through his heat checks. He would go completely through with cold checks. Well, he still thought yeah. he was on a heat check, but yeah. he, he, he checked so much that he just heated back up again. He did. I'm going to stick with the attitude team. Yes. Renardo Sydney. Oh, so Let's fight people in the crowd. Yes. So you had mentioned Jar- uh, Jarvis Renardo, right? So those guys, it was impossible to keep them straight because Renardo, Renardo, like Renardo Sydney, uh, I'm only having be- for as an enforcer. He will literally go out and beat the hell out of you in the stands. He was a highly sought after recruit. Mississippi State got him somehow. And he just completely bottomed out. Not good at all or effective on the court, but he was huge. And he, I think he gained weight going into his freshman year somehow. He but was huge. Monster. He's like Trent Williams. He looks like Trent Williams. But <laughs> like Renardo Sidney, give me him as an enforcer. Uh, so number three, I'm actually going to go Corey Brewer. Another oh. guy with a little bit of attitude, but I loved Corey Brewer, man. He's an, he's a champion. And he was the most fun player to watch out of those three in Florida. Al Horford, big fundamental. Yo Kim Noah, annoying as fuck. Corey Brewer, on the other hand, made defense look cool. And he also had the huge baggy sleeves. Uh, so Corey Brewer, and he was he was like rail you, thin. You love guys with sleeves. Huge baggy sleeves guy. I wish it would come back. Uh, but Corey and like Corey Brewer was rail thin. He had the he looked like he was drag drowning in his uniform, and he had the, like the long socks and the black shoes. Loved Corey Brewer at Florida. Uh, and then last but not least, so I got Marshall Henderson and Renardo Sidney on my team. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I went with Chris Lofton. Oh, yeah, yeah. like. The cool, he, he wasn't the coolest dude on that Tennessee team, but when you needed a bucket, super underrated, so super. incredibly underrated, if one of the best point guards in the SEC. Not to bring up numbers, but let me go ahead and bring up numbers. If you go back and look at uh, like the leaders in the SEC over the years that he played, he led the SEC in like three point percentage, like three years in a row. He led the SEC in like buckets three years in a row, all all SEC team uh, multiple times in that in that span. Yes, yeah, super underrated guy when we come to t- when it comes to talking about that Tennessee. Yeah, team. Chris Lofton is incredible, and I mean, if you know his story off the court, I believe he overcame cancer as well. So Chris Lofton, and he was one of the quietest, no nonsense type of guys. Again, he was playing with the likes of JP Prince, Duke Cruz. <laughs> Someone had that, on that team had to keep everything together. And he kept everything together, man. But it's and, and so that's why he's a perfect fit for this team with Renardo Sidney and uh, Marshall Henderson. So that's my starting five. Chris Lofton, the land shark, Corey Brewer, a national champion, Renardo Sidney, who's going to bounce you out the club, and former number one overall pick, John Wall. And I think that team is going to win games uh, yes. with the exception of Renardo. He's going to use up all five fouls on – whoever he has has to defend both Renato and Ronaldo, Renardo, Renardo and Renardo Sidney. Yes. Uh, let me tell, talk about one more guy that I really almost picked. And that was Ronaldo Balkan, South Carolina. Yeah. Almost went with him. Hair. Incredible. Dreadhead killer, man. He but, was, he but was I cool. had already gone with Sundarius Stormwell from South Carolina. So Ronaldo Balkan. God, so, just so much, and almost if it wasn't so recent, 
Quindary Weatherspoon probably could have been on this list as well because what Q Dog like Quindary Weatherspoon Q Dog. There's so many nicknames this guy can have. Unbelievable. And that's, he just flew and that's too far under the radar for me. Yeah. That, was, that yeah. was the only thing. Flew too right. far under the radar. I did have an honorable mention as well. Malik Monk. Malik. Malik, Malik Monk was electric, him. dude. He would pull up from so far behind the three, and I hope he gets better in the NBA. But I remember me and my buddies would anytime he would launch a three, we'd just go Monk bomb, Monk bomb, like, Malik, Malik Monk. I mean, if you remember that Carolina tournament game where Luke May just completely ripped their heart out with a, of course, just so Luke May a mid-range elbow jumper to win that game. Like, like Malik Monk got them back and tied that game with a bomb three. So uh, I, I, I like John Wall a little bit he better. Had, he had a 40-something point game that year, didn't he? Malik, yeah, he did. Yeah. Malik Monk was sick at Kentucky, so mm-hmm. he's an honorable mention. Uh, I don't really like him, but I, I, I could have seen the Jody Meeks reference in this as well. Uh, Malik Monk was, a, was kind of like a way better Jody Meeks. Jody Meeks was just like the only player on that team. Yeah, uh, you know, but Malik Monk was like the better NBA version of Jody Meeks, even though yeah. Jody Meeks did go to the NBA. But wasn't wasn't Jody Meeks on that like Billy Gillespie team? That those were some dark ass days. I, I yeah. did did Meeks play with Calipari? I think it's I think the last year because the Calipari, if I remember correctly, they didn't they went to the NIT one year with Calipari. Yeah, that was Nerlens Noel. Yeah, but yeah, I Meeks thought, was I thought in the league at that point. Yeah, but I thought it was earlier than that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I thought that like the maybe the second team or something like that. Uh, but that's again, I'd have to go back and look at them. Tying it all back though, that 2012 Kentucky team, I think they lost to Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT because Nerlens Noel injured himself in right. a game at Florida against the against the Stanchion. So right. right, that's how you tie the show together. <laughs> You're a professional. You're a professional. Let's- Let's wrap it up with hugs. Who we uh, who we feeling generous towards today? So I tried to keep it within the SEC, but I didn't uh, because I, really, I was going to say you've done a good job of that. I'm not. That's I, not a prerequisite. No, I, I tried, but there just really wasn't a lot of good shit going on in the SEC recently. So I did go with friend of the program, uh, Chris Beard. Um, he had a very fortunate situation with a breakfast burrito place that he stops at every single day. Um, he was in during the SEC or during the uh, uh, Big 12 media day yesterday. He's talking about how he used to have to pay for salsa when he got uh, his breakfast burrito in the morning. Sometimes he'd forget his credit card or for, he'd forget to ask for it. And so he'd have to charge 33 cents on his credit card. You know, just annoying stuff like that. They went to the Elite Eight last year and then they started giving him, uh, you know, at least giving him a, a a heads up to come to the front of the line, huge hook up there and still had to pay for everything. But now that they went to the national championship game, he's been getting free salsa every morning with his breakfast burrito, big breakfast burrito guy myself. So I can, can understand uh, shout out to Viva burrito and Los Betos as well in Tucson, Arizona, still not getting free burritos yet. And so maybe if they would have beat Virginia in the championship last year, he would have gotten free burritos, but we're stepping in the right direction. So hug for Chris, Chris Beard, Breakfast burritos and free salsa. I did see that quote. I saw it on the warm up daily. Go subscribe. Warmupdaily.com. Warmupdaily.com. Uh, I got to tell you this, though. 
fuck that Mexican restaurant or whatever restaurant it was for only giving him salsa. Do you want Chris Beard to stay in Lubbock or not? Dude, it literally took this team to the within an overtime of a championship and you're giving him salsa. I mean, that's got to be one of, one of the worst towns in the country for basketball, right? Love I'm t- I'm talking like build a statue for this guy <laughs> and give everything free. And have like, salsa pour out of it. Yeah. Fucking free tuition for his kids. Like if he wants to send them to a prestigious private school, Chris Beard does not have to do anything more. He could actually suck for the next three years. And he gave Texas Tech a title appearance. Now he's you not going to And an Elite Eight before that. Where the hell am I? You know, we need to ask our boy Blake Keithley if he has any insight into which breakfast burrito place this could be. Former salsa. Texas Tech employee and that's, Lubbock that's, resident. That's that's insult. Chris Beard should fucking leave. Chris Chris Beard should be like, you know what? I'm out of here. Give would me more. Give me more than just salsa. Would you say it's insulting? Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'll take not a lot the, for that. I'm sorry, I'll take bad. a lot for that. You know what? I appreciate the effort, but. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad you gave a hug to Chris Beard. I'm giving a hug to Chris Beard for a different reason because they're underappreciating you, dude. Yeah, Remember, right. you are the king in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> Unreal. What the hell? Like Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury won like five games. And he got an NFL job. Yeah, and this guy can't even get. He can't, salsa. This guy gets salsa. Insane. All right. That pissed me off. Yeah. You're right. you're getting a little. Hold on, let me try and fix what I just ruined. You're getting a little. Spicy right now. So uh, there you go. Okay. okay. Thank you. See, I got back. it back. I got it back. I got that's it back. how you end. That's like that's like going over in in warmups, but you can't go to the bench ready to start the game without making your last bucket. That's Marshall Henderson going through a, a heat check into a cold check, back into a heat check again. And is a heat it. check another salsa reference, if I may, on that? Finishing the show strong. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, my hug is actually for the state of Florida, which is kind of insane because the state of Florida is the skid mark on the underpants of <laughs> the United States. It is disgusting. It needs to be shipped away. But the reason I'm saying that is because uh, Florida is now considering athletes to profit, uh, college athletes to profit, just considering, but it's again, another good step forward. And you know how Taylor and I feel about that, but they're looking to follow the steps of uh, California. So, and again, Florida is a huge state with some of the best athletes, uh, with some of the best and most historic collegiate programs there. So that would probably affect like football programs the most. You know, uh, late breaking here uh, on theater and college hoops, Washington also considering that I saw uh, just like about an hour before we started recording here. So I guess a, a side hug for Washington while you're over in Florida as well. It's a movement. Can't, can't get any further away in this continental United States and Florida and Washington. True. Yet they're bringing the country together with a sponsorship for collegiate athletes. So. It's a complete movement. So hug for Florida there. And then I debated whether or not to do this, but I'm going to give ourselves a hug here because and I'm going to tie it together. But this is a hug for both me and you and the general population that hates Duke because Greg Paulus has now been assigned interim head coaching duties at Niagara. Uh, Why a hug for us? What does that mean? Well, this is just the slow but sure ascent of Greg Paulus going from a no-name college and a head coach to probably a college that we see every single day, or maybe not a marquee name college, but I could see like a Marquette level type ascension. I mean, they sure. already did it, got it with one guy in Woj. So 
hug for us because I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of Greg Paulus uh, coming up. Is that a, like a is that like a consoling type of hug? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, okay, it's, good. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, <laughs> I was I, I was giving a happy hug to Chris Beard. This I is know, a really I, sad, this is really somber hug. Like, oh, here's a shoulder. Should maybe we should have two segments: a hug and a shoulder. Because we might need a shoulder more than we need a hug on that one. Lake breaking developments here before the season starts. Are we, pl- are we changing our offense, changing our defense? I like it. You know, it's you have to adapt to what the uh, other team is is giving you. You know, and sometimes sometimes you need a shoulder more than a hug. So enjoy Kansas City this weekend. Enjoy Kansas Thank State, you. Oklahoma. Enjoy Packers, Chiefs. We will see you guys next week.